Good morning. Happy Resurrection Day. Amen. And he gave us a nice one. Like, it's nice out there. Cold, but nice. It went from 800 degrees to 10 degrees to, I don't know, now it's somewhere in between out there. I don't think the temperature can make up its mind. But let's go before the Lord in prayer and see what he has for us this morning. Father, we worship you, we praise you, we love you, we thank you. Thank you, God, for what is celebrated today. The resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ. Or I should say, Jesus the Christ. The Messiah, the Savior. God who inserted himself into his own creation for the, for the sake of our lives. Jesus, I thank you for that sacrifice. I thank you for coming and living a holy life. I thank you for learning in the way that you did that shows us the pathway to your Father, the pathway to you. You didn't live in such a way that we could not be a part of it or learn from it. You lived in the frailty of this human body. You lived and came according to the law. And then in your death, burial, and resurrection, you fulfilled that law. You completed the requirements of that law. Thank you, Lord, that we could come before you not only with the hope of one day being clean before you, but with the knowledge that in you there is freedom. In you there is cleanness. In you there is hope. There is peace. There is love. There is joy. In you there is patience. All these things came to us in hope because of your sacrifice. I thank you for that. I ask, Lord, that you speak through me what you desire. That I don't speak my own words. Stop me if it's me. Because all of us, including me, are hungry to hear what you have. To hear the perspectives that you want to teach and that you want us to have. I thank you for that. And I stand in confidence of that. Speak through me according to your word, according to your will. In Jesus' name, amen. So today we, we celebrate the resurrection. And I want to read a verse that applies to that. You could, you could turn there. It's in Matthew 28. It's after the death on the cross and Jesus was buried and he had been telling them all along, you know, three days and I'm raising again. Like this is not something they hadn't been told. They should have been aware. But the two Marys go and look for the body and the body isn't there. And I just want to read a statement from an angel in Matthew 28 verse 5. It said, But the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. 
He is not here, for he is risen. Just as he said. (laughs) Just as he said. And then he said, come and see the place where he lay. Almost like, you don't believe me? Here, come here. Come here and look. The piece there that stands out to me is not that Jesus is risen. That was not new news. In fact, that was prophesied. Jesus said it himself many, many times to his disciples that this must happen. Even the night before. So it wasn't even that he told them, uh, you know, a couple of months before and maybe they forgot. He literally told them the night before he was crucified. So the phrase that stands out to me is where it says, as he said. He has laid out everything for us to have freedom. He has laid everything out for us to have hope. To have relationship with Him. And yet, i, I got to revert a little bit here. You, you guys know me. All right? I am not a typical pastor that says, okay, it's Christmas, so we have a Christmas message. Okay, now it's Easter Resurrection Sunday, so we're going to tell you about Jesus raising from the dead. And we're going to celebrate that on this day. I am just so not like that. So if you came expecting an Easter message, I apologize right up front. Because that's something I celebrate every day. Every single day. Because he didn't just buy my freedom for today. He bought my freedom for every single day. But I will tell you what the Lord has laid on my heart and that I've been going back and forth with Him on this morning as well as last night because i got to tell you, it's starting to drive me a little nuts. And you guys will know what I'm saying. when I, it, it, On the TV you hear, He's not above the law. He's not above the law. I'm not talking about who that was referring to. The fact that bugs me is every single person on this earth should be saying that. The problem is they're looking at the wrong law. Right? Because every single person is not above the law. But the truth is, It is not the law of man that is necessarily correct. It could be correct. There could be portions of it correct. But there could be portions of it that are wrong. We're coming into a time where God's law will be the template. Now, I don't want to confuse you. Because immediately you're thinking in your mind the law that he gave Moses that was put into the book of Leviticus and all throughout the law, right? It's not what I'm talking about. Do you know there was a law before the law? Did you know that? See, we think that The law came in and was given to Moses. It's almost like God sat down. Oh, man, I I need a law. Let me me quickly write up a law. Okay, here's how it all goes. Okay, what happened before that? Was there no law before Moses? Of course there was. Talks about it in Romans chapter 1 even. About recognizing a creator, even a single creator at the very least, understanding that you yourself are not God. But there is a creator who created everything. But do you know the law even goes back further than that? Do you know the law goes back all the way to Adam, even before Eve? Oh, wait a second, they were created together. Well, yeah, they, they're a little bit apart, but there was a law given when Adam was created. God said, you could do anything, you could eat of anything in this place except for this one thing. This one thing out of everything else, this one thing you can't do. 
eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? I don't know about you, that to me is a law. What is a law? A law is something that states whether you should do something or not. And how you operate in that thing. So there was a law given. I state this for the fact and understanding that just because the law that was given under Israel was completed does not mean Christians are supposed to think there is no law and they can live however they want. I also don't want you to think that it's a matter of here, obey the law or you'll be crushed because that's what Jesus came to pay for. In fact, it's a different paradigm that he has. This idea of law, this idea of how to live in Jesus Christ is for the purpose of the fruits of the Spirit. Do you want love? Do you want peace? Do you want joy? I mean, think about that for a second. Really, think about that. I want you to look at your own life in this crazy world in which we live. Don't look at the externals of something that makes you feel a certain way. That's not what I'm talking about. Because we could be living inside a hurricane and be at peace inside. Or we can be living in this beautiful, pristine garden and have a hurricane raging inside, right? So it's got nothing to do, the the two things do not necessarily intersect. I'm talking about look at your own life inside. Do you have peace? Do you have hope? Do you have love? Here's a tough one. Do you have patience? We usually kind of either leave that off or leave that to the last. Right? But these things, these fruits of the Spirit, are things that He gives us as we build relationship with Him. See, that is how we live. Call it a law. Don't call it a law. There are still things that affect it. The Bible says when we sin... We affect our relationship with Jesus Christ. If we've accepted him as Savior, we don't affect our destiny. We don't affect our destination. Because that's sealed by the power of the Holy Spirit in Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. But what that did, when we accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, we're justified of sin for the purpose of now recognizing that we can, which we couldn't before, we can have fellowship directly with the Father through Jesus Christ. That's why when he died on the cross, the veil was ripped all the way down from the top to the bottom. What was the veil? The veil was the portion that separated us from God, that separated the high priest from God the Father. Right? That veil of separation. That was torn when Jesus Christ died. It was torn because Jesus Christ became the propitiation of our sin. He he was literally the vehicle in which our sin could be covered. So God the Father sees us through this lens of a Jesus filter. Isn't that cool? So again, go back to your own life. Look in your own life. You could be saved and have a hurricane going on inside. That is not about salvation. That is not about justification of sin. That is more about the relationship in which we live. The peace in which we live with Him. We can't have that without salvation. We can't have that without justification of sin. But... When we do accept him as Savior, then we have this opportunity. And we've talked about it a million times. But what I want you to recognize is that even though we are no longer under the law, recognize that there is still a law. Recognize that 
When you go down to the bank and you hold them up with a gun and you take their money, you're probably going to pay a penalty for that. Right? You're going to pay a penalty for things that you do that are against what you're supposed to do. Okay, that's the law. Some people can get away with the law for a while. Nobody can get away from God and the aspects of how he works. It's the same way in relationship with him. That law is, okay, you want to be close to him? Spend time with him. Well, wait a second, I don't want to spend time with him. I just want to be close to him. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Do you think Adam became close to him because he was created? No, because clearly he was created with choice. Obviously, that was kind of the problem. <laughs> but he walked with him every day. In the cool of the day, he walked with him. He and Eve walked with him. They built relationship together. That is no different than what we do today. I want you to turn to Galatians chapter 3 because we talk about this law that was fulfilled that God gave to Moses, right? And when we refer to the law, that's what we think of. So let's talk about that for a second. Why, if that did not have the power to save, why was it given? Weren't, weren't they doing pretty good before Moses or, or before Abraham? Wait a second. You know, there, there were people that loved God. Abraham loved God. Abraham never had the law. He was never under the law. He loved God. So why the law? Why, why did God have to bring in the law after him? That's what it talks about in Galatians 3. Let's turn there. Verse 19. Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions, until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made, and it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. Intermediary. Now, an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. That talks about the triune God. But it was put in place, it says, until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made. Who's that offspring? Jesus Christ. He's the one who paid that price. The law was there until Jesus Christ came to finish it. Verse 21. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Did you get what it just said? I mean, that's kind of rough. Literally, God gave us the law to show our sin, to show our need, to show that we had no way of this relationship with him to even come about because we were separated through that sin. He said, so God gave the law to show the need for that offspring that was coming that would save. Now, in this, we live our lives on this earth. And different points in time, we trust the Lord, we don't trust the Lord. Even through the law, even when the law was fulfilled in Jesus Christ, as a world, as a globe, as nations, we sometimes trust Him, sometimes don't. We've seen that in our own nation. We've seen the degradation of our own nation in trusting Him. 
I mean, things going on now are so different than when I was a kid, right? I mean, most of you young people can say things going on now are different than just 10 years ago. Because it's starting to change so fast. But there is a principle that has never changed. It didn't change with the law. It hasn't changed under grace and faith. And I want you to turn there. It it was written in Proverbs, Proverbs 29. Proverbs 29 verse 2 says, When the righteous increase, the people rejoice. But when the wicked rule, the people groan. Well, guess what? We're in the latter half of that verse right now. That's exactly where we are. But the first part of that verse has begun. The first part of that verse has begun. And it begins with the same process that Jesus, that the Father used in giving the law. It wasn't about to put them under the law. It was about a recognition that they needed a Messiah. Okay, that's what happened in the Old Testament. It was to get them to recognize that the law could not save them, but literally it impugned them. But a Messiah would come to fulfill the law, to give them hope. And that's what happened. That same process God is doing right now in His remnant as he lifts up his remnant on the earth, it is for the recognition of that relationship with God that sets them apart all over the world. That is for the purpose of you in your relationship with the Lord, but it's so much more than that. It's so the world sees it. It's so the world sees Who Jesus is in you. Who you are in your testimony before people. How you follow God and His desires. Okay, that's a little easier way to say His law. But it's the same thing. Do you understand that? Law, that's a harsh term. Well, God, God doesn't have a law now. I'm, I'm a Christian. I live by faith. It's still the same principles, guys. As a Christian, right now, if you go and by choice do something that separates your relationship with the Lord, not your salvation, but your relationship. Okay, you do something, you can't hear His voice anymore. You may not hear it as clear. You're following a path you know you're not supposed to. What does this do? It diminishes your capacity for that relationship. So God put things in place to fulfill that relationship. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. In fact, it's much more difficult than that. Please understand, in many ways, the law was probably easier. Right now, it's about you giving him everything. It's about you giving him all of who you are. Not not just your sacrifices. Not just this day or that day. But to give him everything. You give him everything in relationship. That is what is desired of him. Now, why? So then we can stand upright and we can say, you know, I'm a good Christian. I don't do this, don't do that, and I do this and I do that. No. It's because he called us his light bearers. We're to be his light bearers. We're to be those who are... Shining His light on this earth. The only way that's even possible is for Him to do it through us. 
Because we can't do it on our own. But we can build relationship with Him to where He does that through us. Now, call that law. Call, don't call it law. Call it grace. Call it faith. Whatever you want to call it, there's still things that we have to do in building relationship with Him. If you're married and you're building relationship with your spouse and you're having an affair, kind of goes against the relationship, doesn't it? You're literally building another relationship in place of the relationship you're supposed to have. It's no different with sin. It's no different. When, with, with our relationship with the Lord, when we do things that push us away from Him, again, let me be very clear, it doesn't make us lose our salvation. It's not about that. But we do lose our relationship with Him. We do lose our intimacy with Him. So the law did not come to set those free. The law came so people could see the truth. It's no different than now. When we're building relationship with Him, we can see the things that come in the way of that relationship. And part of that is recognizing who we are in Jesus Christ. And this is really important. Every time we, we talk to Alex and I talk to people, when we counsel people, when we encourage people, one of the biggest things that always comes up is, do you really know who you are in Christ? That, that's, by the way, that's a big question, guys. It's a big question. Because you can have just a generic, you know, intellectual answer. Well, yes, I know who I am in Christ. I am an heir. I'm a co-heir with Jesus Christ. I'm a son of God. And because the Bible says that that's who I am. And that's true. But do you live like it? Do you live like it? In fact, even a prince who is an heir is a slave to his father until he's given that authority. Isn't he? He doesn't... He, he may be the heir of all things, but he owns none of it until his father gives that authority, right? I want you to turn. Let's, let's go back to Galatians. But now Galatians chapter 4, because in Galatians, and it's a great book, it, it talks about why, why the law. And then goes into who we are. And, and we're in chapter 4. We're going to... Start at verse 1. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave. That's a pretty harsh statement. Go, go tell that to some prince somewhere and see how they respond to you. But it's true. Though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But in the fullness, but when the fullness of time had come, which all that, by the way, you see that several times in the Word of God, where it says fullness of time, what that really means is at the proper time. It was the time that God had chosen for that moment. Okay, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, and by the way, that word there is sons and daughters, it's, it's generic. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. You are an heir through God. An heir to what? A co-heir with Jesus Christ. Have you ever thought of what that means? 
If you are a co-heir of something, what are you a co-heir of? What did Jesus Christ win? And sorry for the, the, it's probably not the best term, but what did he win when he died on the cross for our sins and rose from the grave? Did he just win those who would receive him? It was a lot more than that. Because remember it said that creation, not of its own accord, was also affected by the sin in Genesis 3. He won back. Jesus Christ won back. The very thing that was lost in Genesis 3 that was taken from Him. It was that communication, it was that walk that he had with Adam and Eve. It was that joy that he had in walking with them and building relationship with one who had a choice to love him. See, if you don't have a choice, it's not love. Right? We know that. God's the one who started that. Man, so many times we sit back and we think it would have just been so much easier if he would have created us without choice. (laughs) That we would just choose him and we'd all be happy and everything else. But no, we wouldn't because we'd be absent of love. Because that's not love. A critical element in love is choice. Right? You've heard the, the adage where... Well, you know, let them go, and if they come back, then, then it was meant to be. Well, it's the same thing. When we love somebody, we can't make their choices for them in order to receive love back. You see what I'm saying? Same with God. God gave choice to mankind. He gave choice to Adam and Eve. And we know what happened. By the way, He gave choice to the principalities. He gave choice to the angels. We see what happened with Lucifer himself. We see what happened with a third of them. He gave choice. God has paid a dear price for giving that to you and me. Because then he also gave his son. He gave his son to make a pathway so that we can choose him. We can have that relationship restored that was taken away. So Jesus Christ paid way more than just for you to receive eternal life. He made you sons and daughters, co-heirs with Him. Co-heirs of what? Co-heirs of this creation to be restored. That's a heavy thought. That's a heavy thought because when you understand that, you understand that you have a responsibility. And if you understand the times in which we live, you understand that that responsibility has never been greater than right now. Don't think for a second that Satan is in control of this world. He's not. Neither are his Upper echelon of principalities, they're all bound, they're all, they are out of this game. What is coming now is the transparency that has happened because of the remnant praying. Because it is time for the world to see. See what? For creation to see. See what? See who the sons of God are. See who the heir of reigning with Him. See who those people are. It is that time now. We are stepping into that time so you have a responsibility in that time. Your responsibility is by faith. We're not going back to the law. Your responsibility is faith. It is to believe. It is to nurture that relationship that He has given you opportunity for because that's where the power is. 
When the king has a son and that son is a prince that will reign, when does the king, unless he dies, when does the king put him in charge? When he can trust him. When he sees that he has grown. When the relationship between the king and the prince is such to the point where they're of one mind. That's what God's doing, guys. That's what He's doing right now. He is building relationship with us so we are of one mind with Him. Because He is going to hand over those reins. Now, not for the purpose of Him leaving. Please understand, that's not what I'm saying. It's over the creation that He had said to take care of From the very beginning. Do you know the one command that was given at the beginning has never been fulfilled? I mean, and I'm not talking about the one of don't eat of the fruit of good and evil. I'm talking about, he said, go subdue the earth. Right? Rule it. Subdue it. I've placed you, Adam, in charge of my creation. You are in charge to steward my creation. And so what happens? Adam gives away that right. He gives away that right. So it would require some 4,000 years later a Messiah that would come and pay for that right. If you, if you think that all he did was come to pay for your sins so you could go to heaven, you're not seeing the big picture. It was about the earth. Trust me. Go, go look at the end of Revelation. Do we end up in heaven? No. That might shock you. Heaven ends up here. That's what happens. Because God created it for that. He created it for that. And Satan took that away. Because of man's choice. That is what God is coming to change. And that is what He is wanting to change in you. It's been available since Jesus Christ rose from the grave. So I don't know if people just never got it before or if we're in his planned time now. That's kind of what I believe. It's the fullness of the Gentiles, if you will. What he wants to do in you is for you to recognize that you are heir of something that he created that is to go back to what he created. So we have to live like that. It doesn't mean that, okay, great, I'm going to step out of this fallen body and now I don't have to... No. I mean, that'd be awesome if we could. And perhaps I don't understand the whole thing about the glorified body. Perhaps that's going to happen Any day now. Thank you, Lord. I'll get good rests. I don't know. We'll see. It's not about that, though. We already know He paid the price. We already know He paid the price for you to walk in purity. We already know He paid the price for you to recognize that you are an heir, and what that means is that you stand up for His principles because it's His kingdom. That's what he's doing all over the world. I have met these people all over the world. I'm telling you. It's it's just the wildest thing to sit there in Geneva and talk with somebody who I don't know, thanking the Lord that they spoke English. Talking with somebody I don't know and they're saying the same words. They're saying the same things and it's like, who told you that? And the answer is usually, well, I I don't know. Or maybe someone would say, well, the Lord told me that. 
But the truth is, his remnant all over the earth are those who are in relationship with him. It's time for us to recognize our responsibility as heirs and what he wants us to do. So I want you to turn to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 8. And we're going to start at verse 5 and go down through 10. Because again, I, I want you to recognize this process. This process that God's going through. This process of of how there was no law, then there was a law, then the law was fulfilled in Christ, and now there's, there's faith. So because of that faith, I get to throw everything else away. And, and I think we're establishing that that's not true. Let's, again, Hebrews chapter 8, verse 5. They serve a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things. Okay, and this was talking about the, the priests and, and how they set up the temple and, this, and those things. They serve as a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God saying, See that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better. Since it is enacted on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless. I didn't get that. Could you try again? You didn't need to get that, serious. <laughs> the world will one day get that. Maybe, maybe, maybe Siri needs to be preached to. Okay, I don't need you either here. All, 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 my, all my SIRIs are about to turn on here. You know... If, if the CIA or anybody else is listening to, you, you really need this too. They all, they all need this. They're going to get it too. Okay. For if that first covenant, verse 7, had been faultless, there would have been no occasion for, to look for a second. For he finds fault with them when he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant. And so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds. I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. So what God is saying is that there is a new covenant. There needed to be a new covenant for, for, for Israel. Because it was a better covenant. This covenant by faith that he brought. He said though, and I want to point this part out. This wouldn't be written like the first one was. It wasn't about here. If you just do steps 1 through 50, you're going to be a good Christian. That's not what this new one is. This new one is not even knowing the Word of God, living by its principles, and I'm good. I mean, that's awesome, but you're missing the whole point. You're missing the whole point that he paid for. It wasn't about following a list of things you're to follow. It was about building relationship with the one who paid for that price. In that relationship, he writes it on our hearts. He writes it in our minds. I can tell you, I grew up in schools and churches that were very legalistic. I lived around, Lex and I both, lived around legalism very heavy in, in the church, right? 
legalism, meaning, you know, do this, don't do that. And believe it or not, my hair used to be short. In fact, I didn't start growing my hair till my second daughter was born. I just started growing my hair then. It used to be, it would bug the snot out of me if it ever touched my ear. Honey, get this cut. Please, it's driving me nuts because I have a little hair that's touching the top of my ear. And now it just is funny to me, right? So I knew what it was like to grow up with that legal mind frame, with that that legal thought. But yet I loved the Lord. Even in that legalism, my heart wanted Him. I remember as a... (laughs) As a senior in high school, I remember, and, and I, I, I'm not saying I recommend this, okay, but, but I was so zealous for the Lord. I got our youth group, or no, maybe I was a junior in high school, can't, anyways, somewhere around in there, got our youth group to go door to door just telling people about Jesus, Well, I mean, I needed some training because my way of telling people about Jesus, Hi, I'm Greg. Do you know that if you don't accept Jesus Christ, you're going to hell? Slam. (laughs) i got to say, we didn't have a lot of fruit. But the fruit isn't what I was interested in. I was interested in saying that I did it. I just did it. I was obedient. I did it. And what I learned later on is that I was doing it on my own. I wasn't doing it with the very one that would be in relationship with me that would then help me in that encounter. Do you know whenever you go and you talk to people about the Lord, you have a partner who has already gone ahead of you if you're following Him. And that's the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit tells you to go talk to somebody, go, go over there, see that person standing over there, go pray for them, go, go talk to them. Go, go say whatever he tells you to say to them. You can walk over there in confidence knowing the Holy Spirit's already been there. The Holy Spirit's already worked in that situation and you're a piece of that puzzle that now needs to fit in. So do you see the the change? The change was he started to write his laws upon my heart. He started to write his laws in my mind. It became a part of me, not in, okay, well, I got to do this and and, and then I'll be okay because I got to live these, you know, 10 different ways. No, it became about him. It became about my relationship with him, my desire to be with him. And when I recognized that that was my ultimate desire was just to be with him, to hear his voice. Wow, what a difference that became for me. I used to believe he didn't talk. Now I realize he had been talking to me my whole life. I just wasn't listening. But now... There's nothing that you can do to convince me to give that up. In fact, everything about who I am is about relationship with Him. Why? Because I I just need you guys to get it so we can have a big church. I could care less. If you don't know that, that by now, you don't know me. I don't care if there's a lot of people or no people. Because my goal is to be with Him. In relationship with Him, I get that peace. I get that love. I get that joy. I begin to understand what it means to be an heir. What it means to be chosen of the Lord that I will lead. So I need to, He's saying, You will lead, so I need to get you ready. I need you to get you ready to lead. He's saying that to each of you. I need to get you ready. Are you going to listen? Are you going to trust? Are you going to let him build you, in you, the leader that you're supposed to be for him? Because it's his kingdom. It's not ours. 
It's his kingdom. It's the one that Jesus paid for to come here. And like I said, if you think that was just about your salvation, you're wrong. Because what kind of scroll does he take that is sealed with seven seals? Anybody know? It's a scroll that's written on both sides. If you recognize Revelation chapter 4. What kind of scroll is written on both sides? A deed. It's a property deed. It's an ownership deed. Do you understand? It wasn't just for the people that he died. It was certainly for that, but it was also for us to enjoy what he created and the intent in which he created it. He paid for that too. He paid for creation not to have to groan anymore. He paid for creation to see who the sons of God are, who the heirs of Christ are. So you have a responsibility in this. That responsibility is not just in your own life. One of the hardest things for a Christian in that process is to get beyond their own life. To get outside of their own focus. That's one of the hardest things. Because here in America, it's all about us. Right? You can do anything. It's all about you building everything. For what? For you. And, and then you team up with people and kind of build it together, but it's still about you. That's how it starts out in our relationship with Him. It's about us. It's about me. But then He begins to show me that love and teach me in relationship that, that look, to lead, you've got to be bigger than that. To lead, you can't be myopic in your, fo- in your focus. You can't just be focused on yourself. And by the way, you can't be effective focusing on others if you're doing that as some sort of have to either. Just like it says in what we just read, it has to come from your heart. It has to be implanted in your heart, in your mind. It has to come from within you, this desire And the only way I have found, and I don't think there's another way, the only way I have found to make that desire hot in me is because I want Him. It's my eyes on Him. Our eyes have to stay on Him even to be able to operate horizontally. Even for our horizontal relationships to be good, our vertical relationship must first be good. Do you know what I mean? Because it literally fills us with the things that make it successful. It's what we just read. His principles. His laws. But really it's his heart. It's not his laws about, well, you know what, go go. Go kill a goat so then you can be cleansed. You know, that's the law that was the old covenant. Which, by the way, very interesting thought. Do you know that's coming back? Kind of weird thought. The millennial temple will have more sacrifices in it than the previous two temples ever had. Go read it. Ezekiel starts in Ezekiel chapter 40. But why? Why? Because there was a rejection. There was a rejection of what we're talking about. There was a a rejection of desiring that intimacy, that relationship. I'm not saying because of that rejection they go back to the law. I'm not saying that they go to the law in the thousand-year reign of Christ. Please understand I'm not saying that. They do have the law there, and there is sacrifice for it. They do go back to sacrifice, 
but the purpose is still Jesus. The difference is Jesus will be there physically. Right? He takes physical reign. He takes the throne of David and takes that physical reign. But our covenant with him is about it being written in our heart. It says that because he doesn't want robots. He doesn't. Apparently neither do a lot of the AI people now. <laughs> they got them they got them so intelligent they scare the people who have made them. I think that's funny. I really do. I I loved the movie iRobot. Anybody see that? I'm like, yeah, I really can believe that. That's coming. And that was, what, 10, 15 years ago or whatever it was? <laughs> and now and now you're hearing these guys that are saying, uh-oh, I think we made these things a little too smart. You know, there's real trouble around the corner. Yeah. Anytime you try to play God without God, you're going to be in trouble. Okay, but here's the thing. The remnant, our father, is a lot bigger than those robots. Is a lot bigger than that AI. I mean, imagine the father's brain. (laughs) Imagine that. He knows everything. That means he knows how to defeat what is going on right now. That means he knows how to defeat all of those that are trying to set up a new world order and all this junk. He knows. And by the way, don't be surprised when you find out that he's already put a plan in place and that plan has been working for a few years. The transparency of what we see is part of that plan. It's just like him bringing the law. The law revealed sin. It made transparent our need for a Savior. What he is doing now in transparency is showing what? A need for a Savior. Same thing. God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So we can actually get this. We can actually understand. Man, be hopeful for the time in which we are right now. I am. I'm... I'm saddened by the people who don't get it. That makes me sad. I'm saddened by the Christians who don't get it. The Christians who live in fear. The Christians who think they don't have any part of it. But they're just kind of a spectator and, okay, well, I guess we'll just have to take it. And that's what got us in trouble in the first place. Christians not standing up. Pastors not standing up. Pastors thinking that, well, as pastors in the pulpit, we have no right to speak into this country because we need to separate politics from religion. Okay, yeah, I don't do religion anyways. We're not supposed to separate anything. Guys, we're supposed to rule. That's what it says. We're supposed to rule. Why? Why? Because when the righteous increase, the world likes that. It even helps them. It's kind of like giving medicine to a kid who doesn't want to take medicine. This is going to help you. And then they take the medicine, and then all of a sudden they feel better, and they could go out and play. Oh, yeah, okay, well, now I'm happy. That's how it's going to be with the world. That's how it's going to be. What's happening now is the medicine. What's coming in God's justice is the medicine. It is so the righteous will rise. The sons of God will be recognized. And peace will come. But peace doesn't come without a war. Peace was never lost without a war. So it takes a war to win it back. And believe me, we have been at war for a few years. There is a spiritual battle that has been going on over this country and over the globe for a few years. 
And for the first time in history, the tide has turned. And God in his children are winning that war. That's why you see the transparency. Man, if Satan had his way, he never would have let the, the world know stuff that's going on. Never in a million years. But yet we all know it. Now, the frustrating thing right now is that, okay, wait a second, it's all out there and nothing's being done about it. <laughs> it's about to be. It's about to be. Just hang on. But let this sink into your hearts. The desire and, and relationship to build with the Lord is about what comes from here. It's, it's absorbed through his word. But if it doesn't find root here, it's got nowhere to go. So let that take root in your lives. Go after him like a son or daughter who is an heir. What does an heir want? Responsibility. Every heir growing up, I, okay, I want to take this on. Why? Because, uh, Dad, I want to show you that I can do it. I, I want to further your kingdom. Man, take that before him because he will ready your heart to do that. We are in the days of that happening. So will creation recognize you as one of the sons and heirs? Alex, come on up. We're going to pray and close, and I just want to say one thing. Um, just to add my own enthusiasm about how important it is that we just continue to look to the plan of God, because in things that have been happening, even lately in the last couple of weeks, you can get so uh, overcome with the heaviness in the atmosphere of the more that gets revealed, you can get distracted with seeing the evil rising in this transparent time that it can really be overwhelming. But it's a reminder that we're supposed to be existing as believers in this kingdom place. And whenever you see the plan of God, you're back to a place of hope and encouragement and um, excitement. I mean, beyond just, okay, thank you, Lord, you helped me get through my day. No, actually being thrilled at what God is doing right now. And the only way you're going to see that is by focusing on his plan. So it, it's, um, he's kind of making it to where the, the extreme is pretty different. If you look just to the weeds of your life and your day and your problems and the problems in the world, you're going to be pretty down. If you're looking only to the plan of God, you'll be absolutely thrilled. So the question is, before we close in prayer here, how much, and I know some people would hold up their phone because I, I asked to listen to the audio Bible and read my phone Bible but how much are you learning who God is here? This is a thrill. The more I learn of who he is and his ways, his promises, and everything that was mentioned this, this morning in this message about what God is doing on the earth, the promises of the things to come, the fulfillment, the, the new covenant, the grace, all these things, it is um, it is a recipe for encouragement, and God is making it to where you can't even find good works to do anymore that will thrill you. Um, I mean, everything is falling flat. People that have all these ideas to start ministries, it's just not fulfilling more than getting to know him. But, but if you're not spending time with him here, you're not going to know him and know what we can even trust in. So um, I just encourage you, man, because I've, um, I've been all over different portions this week, and I, I'm amazed at what he's showing me and the hope he is giving. And it's really, uh, it's really true. I know we get these kind of things in our, our mind, which is, oh, light is lightest in the darkest. You know, and we, we kind of know these, these things that, that are said, these little bumper sticker things. Light shines brightest in the darkness. But it's so true that the contrast of what God is doing in the darkness that is growing in this realm is a really bright light and it's it's thrilling so focus on what god is doing um and uh so let's just close in prayer and then this local body here um will close the online service but uh hang on for a moment okay
Father God, I praise you. I thank you so much for your word. Thank you for what you are doing at, for, at such a time as this, God. You are um, revealing yourself, God, in a way that is so amazing. Thank you for all of your promises. God, I also just praise you even for what you were reminding me of as Greg was preaching in Romans 6, the freedom we are not, because of what you did on the cross, what you paid for, we are not even bound by fleshly urges, by um, problems and struggles and things we feel like we can't get out of, whether it be um, a compulsion, an addiction, a, um, a, a depression, and anything. God, we are not bound by any of that. You paid for all of our freedom when we just believe you for it, you always lead us into triumph. You say in 2 Corinthians 2.15, thank you. Thank you for this amazing truth that is powerful in our day-to-day lives. So God, I just pray that, that you would just help each one that heard this message today to just look to you. To rise and not just look at what the news is telling us is what's going on in the world, but look to what are you saying that the news is revealing. What are you doing that is happening, even to show us what is truth in the news and what are complete lies? So, God, I just thank you. I praise you for what a personal, loving, amazing, powerful God that you are. And just take us um, from this message filled with the hope that is truly who you are. I just love you, God. I worship you today. And thank you for uh, this celebration of your resurrection and what it really means for our freedom. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.